Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us as we go to the word this morning. Father, we come to you humble and knowing that without your help, we would have no idea what's going on. We would be consumed with the world and with ourselves and with everything else except you. So, Lord, we're thankful that you have given us your word and your spirit by which reality can be made known to us. We can see you for who you really are. We can see evil for what it really is. We can see our condition and where we are before you through you telling us. And so, Lord, this morning we come and we pray that you would tell us these things. We pray that as we enter into the book of Revelation, that you would help us to see Jesus Christ, that you would help us to be made aware of exactly the situation that's going on so that we can walk by faith and not by sight, not be blinded by what we see on a day-to-day basis, but know exactly what's going on in the background. We pray that you would uh, take control of our ears right now and our hearts. Control my mouth, Lord, as you have us to listen to the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody ever see that television show? Uh, a lot of people would call it uh, The Happy Painter. The Happy Painter. I think his name was Bob Ross. And he was this guy that would often be on PBS. And he would have this easel in front of him. And there would be, uh, as the show began, there would be this incredibly beautiful landscape scene. I mean, just the most amazing sharp-cut mountains and beautiful trees and rivers and, and uh, river banks. I mean, it was just a gorgeous picture. And they'd show you that picture right at the beginning of the broadcast before the happy painter, Bob Ross, would go and paint the picture. So you would see what it was, and then he would go back, and there would be a blank canvas. And he would begin, and he would, he would take, it was like magic. He would take these brushes of various kinds, and he would dip them and mix paint, and he'd begin to kind of put them around. And at first, you're just seeing blotches of color or wisps here and there. And as he goes on further, and he keeps adding layer of color, a color and texture, and in different places, suddenly this, this scene just begins to unfold before your eyes like magic as he began to keep layering paint. And at the end of the show, after he'd gone through all the steps, boom. There's the picture that you saw at the beginning. Okay, and so today as we go back to Revelation chapter 12, that's what we're going to do today. I'm not a happy painter. I'm a happy preacher. I'm a happy preacher because Jesus is the victor. And even though when we come into a chapter like Revelation 12 and there's a great red dragon, I'm glad to know that Jesus wins and defeats the dragon. And so today we're gonna, I'm going to quickly give you the overview picture And then we're going to go back and read uh, most of chapter 12 to kind of be like the happy painter, filling it all in until we have the great big picture again at the end. So I'm trying to explain where we're going to go today. So here's what happens. If you were to peel back the curtain and look at the reality of what's going on, not just in flesh and blood life, but as you peel back and you see spiritually what's going on in the absolutely real realities of spiritual warfare. You would see this. You go back in history and God creates the heaven and the earth. In fact, that's the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And so he created, and part of that creation was also all the heavenly hosts. You have angels. You also have cherubim. Those are the ones who are the closest to the throne. You might refer to them maybe as the secret service of God's throne room. And one of those cherubs 
was a certain cherub, and I don't know what he went by at that time, but we know him as Satan or the devil, or as Revelation 12 calls him, the great red dragon. Well, he had been a cherub. He was part of the secret service that was right around the throne of God. And sometime after the creation, Satan got into his heart that he could somehow ascend and take God's place. And so the scripture says that a great battle occurred in heaven, whereby Michael and the angels of God did battle against Satan and a third of the angels, which had sided with him. And those are demons. And so you have this great heavenly war, a great conflict that goes on. And Satan is cast out of heaven and he is thrown down to the earth. And as he goes on, we know how the story goes. The serpent enters into Eden, tricks and deceives Eve and Adam. They eat the fruit and sin enters in and thereby enters death as well. And so from there on, there's a big problem. God has to go after the people and rescue them. Well, Satan being God's enemy, as this timeline progresses, he doesn't want anybody to align with God. He wants everybody to be cast out like him. And so as he's been cast out of heaven, he has gone after the children of Adam and Eve in order to get them to also come away from God. And so we are told in the scriptures that he has been the accuser of people, that he, he had the ability to stand before God and accuse people of their, of their wrongs. Oh, they don't deserve you. They don't deserve to be saved. Look how filthy and sinful those people are. Well, it says that that came to an end and it came to an end when Jesus came and he he defeated Satan on the cross and then he defeated death by raising from the grave. And then he ascended to his throne. And so that's happened over thousands of years. And then Satan no longer could stand before God and accuse the brethren. But you know what he does now? He now goes after those who are children of God and he seeks to devour them. He may not stand there and get to accuse in God's presence, but he definitely goes to you and me and to people and says, you know how awful you are. He tries to deceive you to think there's no way that God could ever love you. And so he's seeking to devour God's children. He's seeking to tempt you away from Jesus. Oh, but the good news of the gospel that Jesus defeated him on the cross and it limits Satan in this present age from just wreaking total havoc. He's actually being restrained from being able to do his worst business. And now that as the people of God are in what's called the wilderness, God is nourishing them. He's giving us sustenance by his word and by his spirit to know that we are saved and defend against the devil until that day when Jesus Christ will return again and he will take Satan and he will throw him into the lake of fire whereby he will be destroyed for eternity. Okay, so that is the great timeline. There was creation. Satan was cast down. He tempted Adam and Eve. He went on to accuse and torment and tempt people. Jesus came. He defeated Satan's sin and death on that cross. He resurrected from the dead. He ascended on high. And now Satan has gone after the people of God who are waiting in the wilderness for that day when they will reach the promised land. That is when Jesus comes back for them and Jesus will come back, destroy his enemies, including Satan, throwing him into the lake of fire forever. Okay, did everybody see that big picture? That's the painting that we have today. That's the overview. So now as we go to chapter 12, it's going to start filling in part of that story. 
with incredible details of what was happening spiritually behind the scenes. Now, it's a lot of symbols. I'm going to try to touch on some of them and try to show you where those plug into the picture. It's like taking those brushes and dabbing a little color there, or some leaves on the tree over here. And we're going to kind of see what it looks like in God's perspective of what's happening. Even though you can't see it, it's invisible. It's in the spiritual realm right now. He's going to give us eyes to see what's happening in the spiritual realm as we go to Revelation chapter 12. So if you've had a, a moment, hopefully you've been able to get to Revelation chapter 12. If you have your Bible, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles available for you to have on the side table or in the table back in the foyer. Please grab one of those. It's yours to keep. You can have that. If you would, we're going we're gonna to pick up the story in verse 7. Now, if you remember from last week, uh, we talked about Christmas. Last week talked about how Jesus was born to Mary. And that the devil was right there wanting to devour Jesus. But Jesus was, after his resurrection, caught up to God. We've talked about that. And so the devil has now gone after Mary and her children, which is the church. Okay, that we touched on that last week. And now we pick up in verse 7. And this is going back. This is putting color back on the canvas. It says in verse 7, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So, again, this is hearkening back. If you look at our big timeline, remember we had talked about Satan had been in heaven. He had desired to have God's spot, and Jesus said, no, you don't. I'm the king. I am God. And he was cast down out of heaven after a great big war with Michael and his archangels. I mean, there's no epic movie nowadays that could touch that. That actually really happened. There was no computer animation that went on there. There was no special effects or loud music in the theater. That actually was a war between the angels and Satan and his demonic forces in heaven. And Satan lost. He was cast down. And so we go on to see what happens. It says in verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So Satan was cast down, and he's angry about that. He's in great wrath, just like anybody who loses. Anybody here a good loser? Okay, I hate losing. It's one of the things that I feared most growing up. I did not want to lose anything. I didn't want to lose a race. I didn't want to lose a board game. I didn't, I didn't want to lose at all. I wanted to win. And if I lost, I was devastated. You know what? I would get angry. I was such an angry young man when I lost. I had wrath. I know it's hard to believe. Wrath. Well, Satan did that. He's not a good loser either. And he was cast down. He's angry. So what's he do? He takes his anger out on those whom he can come and deceive. You want to know why he's mad? You want to know why he does what he does? Because he's lost. He's losing. And he's desperate. And so he's coming after you. Some of you, when you've been on the road, you've been driving, 
You accidentally cut somebody off. Some of those people behind you, what happens to them? Wrath, right? They start coming up and what they do, they're right on your tail. They are honking. They are weaving. They're throwing gestures at you. They are angry and they're wrathful. And it's like they don't stop. That's what Satan's doing. He's tailgating you. Okay. He got cut off and he's angry and it's spiritual road rage against you. So how do you defend that? The scripture right there that uh, said that they conquered, that Christians conquered, that believers in Christ conquered by the blood of Jesus and by the testimony, the good news about Jesus. So if you want to know how to defend against the road rage of Satan, this is how. Trust Jesus. You have been cleansed by his blood. Satan has nothing against you. Sure, he can come and maybe he would be allowed to take away your house. I don't know. Maybe he can come to you and cause cancer. I don't know what God's going to allow him to do, just like what happened to Job. But you know how Job stood against him? He stood in the steadfast love of the Lord. I don't care what Satan's coming against me with. I am pure in Christ. Trust the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing you have to defend against Satan with. Everything that he's given you, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, all that stuff, it's in Jesus Christ. And so they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony says, and so they didn't even consider their lives their own. They were willing to die for Jesus. Even if Satan would come, they didn't care. They were never going to go along with him. Even unto death, it says, are you there? You know, Satan, when he's in road rage, it doesn't always look like road rage. Satan, when he comes at you with rage, you know what he comes at you with? Lollipops. Ice cream. Fluffy pillows. The good things in life. You know, he comes at you with things that are so tantalizing to you that for just a moment might get you to take your eyes off of Jesus and then he has you. He didn't have to come at you and bare his teeth like a dragon. He just had to come and get you to, to follow something of your heart's desire that wasn't Jesus. That's how he gets you. He's very deceptive like that. He masquerades as an angel of light saying, oh, isn't this so pretty? And we get caught up like, oh, that is pretty. And then he's got you. He's got you. You've gone off with the world. You've gone off in your own passions, desires. And he's got you. And so the only way to defend is stay in the word of God. Stay steadfast so you can see exactly what he's doing. You won't be deceived. He got Eve with a piece of fruit. What's he going to get you with? Be careful. The devil is seeking. Verse 13 says, when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had been who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. If you remember, we talked about how Mary had been representative of Israel up until Jesus was born and the church was started. And now Mary was also then representative of the church. And so she begins this wilderness time where for a period of three and a halves, it's talking about there, there would be time of tribulation. It's going to be hard. 
You're going to have to defend against Satan. You're going to have to stay away from temptation. You're going to have to stay away from all the pretty things of the world and keep your eyes on Jesus. But you know who's making it tough? Satan is. He's trying very hard to get to you, to get to the church, to get to those who are represented by Satan. We'll talk about her offspring in a second, but it says that she was given the two wings of the great eagle. Well, that's great. Well, what, what kind of dream are we having here? Well, it's interesting because in the scriptures, it talks about just the two wings. It doesn't say the eagle, it says the two wings of the great eagle. What's interesting, if you go back into the Old Testament, I'm going to read quickly from Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus, the people of God were being brought out of slavery in Egypt and being taken to the promised land. But in the middle, there was a wilderness. But God describes how he's bringing them out of slavery to himself by saying this. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. See, this is an illustration of how there was no way you could be rescued out of slavery. There was no way you could get out of sin, death, and away from Satan's grasp except Just like Israel, he rescued you and he's brought you like on eagle's wings to help you and to bring you to himself. And so also in Revelation, it says by the two wings of the great eagle, you are being helped. The word that's being used there has a very close uh, 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 similarity to the air that's pushing you along. God has given you air that pushes you along because the same word that's used for breath in the Greek is also the same word that's used for the spirit of God. That he lifts you and fills you and helps you by the Holy Spirit. So in this time, which is difficult right now in this period of the wilderness, he helps you by the spirit of God. He helps you by the word of God as the Holy Spirit comes and gets you. He is nourishing you at this time and feeding you to defend against all the wily ways of the devil, all the wily ways of the dragon. Well, it says in verse 15 that the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So I don't know exactly what this river is, but whenever I see water coming out of somebody's mouth, you know what I think it is? Vomit. Okay, it's gross. It's sick. And so Satan is vomiting out the stuff to try to go after the people. That's his deception. He makes it look pretty. Okay, but when the people are like, no, God has told me that the vomit coming out of your mouth, Satan, is harmful. It's wicked. It's it doesn't have to do with Jesus. They go against it. But guess who takes it? It says that the earth, the world took it in. The world loves the vomit of Satan. Okay, the world looks at what Satan has to offer and says, looks pretty good. Yeah, sign me up for some of that. Yeah, give me more money. Give me more uh, pleasure. Give me more everything. Just satisfy me. Satan's like, sure, I'll give you everything in the world as long as you don't follow Jesus. And so the world has soaked that up. He's vomiting that filth out of his mouth saying, here, love this other stuff. You know what the world does? Sure, give it to me. Let me eat it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not in the habit of consuming other people's vomit. I don't even like my own. I want to be more like one of my kids who has a phobia against vomit. I want to have a fear of the vomit of Satan. I don't want to look at that and say, oh, it looks good. No, it's gross. God is saying spiritually that what comes from Satan is absolutely wretched. Why would you want it? you want that 
He goes on and says this in verse 17 to finish out. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. That's you. And those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So the dragon started off after that church. The church defended and now he's off after the rest of the church. He's after you. And he's coming. He's trying to nourish you, but with all of his filth. It's not nourishing at all. It's going to kill you. And so you come now and you ask, if I am an offspring child of God, is what's coming out of my life look more like somebody who is being bared up and nourished by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and I'm full of His joy and I live in His love and I do what He tells me and I look like Jesus, I can't get enough of Him. Or does your life look like the vomit of Satan? Because I ask this question for this reason. The scripture makes clear that if your salvation is true, if you are really a Christian, if you are really a good tree that comes from the good seed of Jesus, then what's your life going to bear? Good fruit. You're going to look and have evidence of being a Christian. But when God comes and gives you a mirror to look at your life and you look at your life and you say, actually, my life looks more like that of the world. Spiritually, this says that your life is producing fruit that looks a lot more like the vomit of Satan. You look like puke. To me, that's startling when I look at my life. And I'm thankful for the Lord for the ways he's worked in me to to allow me and cause me to bear good fruit towards Jesus. Sometimes I look at that and I say, I don't even know. That's not even stuff I necessarily desire in my flesh, but the Lord made that happen and praise be to God. But I look at areas in my life and I say, you know what? That area of my life looks a lot more like what's going on in the world. Why have I become consumed with that part of the world? I've become callous, maybe. I've become, I've become hardened. I don't even recognize, maybe, that this looks more like the world than with Jesus. But when I look at my life, I need to ask the question, do I look like Jesus or do I look like the dragon? Do I look more like I belong in the army of demons rather than looking like I'm a holy and washed servant in the kingdom of God? What's your life look like? I'm really hoping that we aren't a church of barf. I'm hoping we're the church of Christ. I'm hoping that as the Lord comes and he brings the word of God to you, that maybe as you're convicting, you say, my my life looks more like the world. Something needs to change. You might need to change. Maybe you've never have changed. You, you don't even realize that even though you've gone to church all your life and you've gone to Sunday school and you've given the penny crusade and you go to all the church functions and you visit your grandma and you do everything that you're supposed to do. That your heart in the midst of those matters looks more like Satan than Jesus because you've never actually been saved. And right now, the Lord wants to come to you and say, hey, look, when you look at this big painting, the picture of all that's happened. 
I've told it all to you to tell you that I'm the one who wins. I'm the one who's defeated the dragon, and I'm the one who saves those who can't save themselves. And so I've come to save you. Let me save you. All those works of churchiness and familiness, and that won't save you. Come to me and ask me to forgive you. And I will cleanse you and I will scoop you off and I will nourish you and sustain you until that day when I come back. And Satan may come after you with road rage. He may come after you with sweet treats. He may come after you with every type of tool in his arsenal. But you can be sure of this, that Jesus Christ will defend you and care for you until the day of his return and forever. And so today, maybe your life has just looked like vomit. That's the picture of everybody's life without Jesus. And if you haven't known him before, then come to him and say, Lord, my life is but wretched filth. Please forgive my sin. And you know what happens in that moment? Boom, you're made clean. In that moment, you are forgiven and you were taken out of the dominion and the army of Satan and placed into the kingdom of Christ. You are a child, you are made clean, and you are waiting for your Savior to return. He's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You will obey Him every day of your life. And everything that you do for the rest of your life when you obey Jesus, let me tell you what you're doing. The Scripture says that when the people of God are doing the things that God has told them to do, Jesus is operating through them. Do you know what you're doing? Imagine those of you who hate snakes. And you find one of those going out in your yard. And you go back to your shed and you get your best weapon. For some of you, I've heard it's a hoe. For some of you, I've heard it's a gun. I don't care. You go get your best weapon. In the scripture, it says your best weapon is your heel. And the scripture says that when the people of God are operating as the people of God and doing the things that they are supposed to be doing, loving others, loving God, doing whatever he says and Basking in his grace. Then that is the weapon whereby your heel is like this. It says that you are crushing the head of Satan. That every time you do something for Jesus, you are delivering another death blow to Satan. Yes, he's a great big dragon. Yes, he's beastly. Yes, in the spiritual world, he wields a lot of power. But in Jesus Christ, you are conquerors through his blood and through obedience to his word. And so when you obey him, you crush the devil's head. You are in the midst of helping Jesus continue to cause Satan to descend to that place where eventually Jesus will take him and cast him into the lake of fire forever to be done. And so I don't know about you, but I want to do some stomping. And we may say today, well, yeah, of course. It's easy. Yeah, just stomp him. No, it's hard. Satan's really good at what he does. You want to stomp on Satan's head? You want to do what the Lord is telling you to do? Let him nourish you. Let him feed you. Let him sustain you when it hurts. When you need endurance. This is better than Gatorade. 
Take up the word of God. Go to Bible study, not to just get an attendance, but because you want to feed, you want to learn it, you want to defend, you want to know Jesus. That's why we do it. We are in a battle. That is the picture. Christ has called you to be nourished and be on his team. And in doing what he's called you to do, you get to be a part of delivering death blows to Satan. How you like that picture? Sounds pretty good to me. Jesus also has this view of the whole thing. When he looks down on that big picture, he also sees all of us. He sees Jason somewhere in that in that big picture of what's going on spiritually. And you know what causes me to fear? Is if he was to look into that picture and instead of me crying out in desperation, Lord, please help me. Show me what to do. And obeying his every word. If Jason in that picture wasn't looking up to Jesus or to his word, but instead looking to the world, looking at vomit as if it was delicious. Wouldn't that be sad? If the Lord's looking at you, where are you looking? Are you looking at him? Or you're looking at filth. Father, today we come. We praise you because you are creator. You have given life and breath and everything to us. You have created all things in heaven and earth, including Satan, including all of his demons. You created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You created the piece of fruit by which Satan deceived Eve. It's all in your creation. And yet you've clearly told us that there is evil. And there's temptation. And there's a great red dragon. We pray, Lord, that we would not be so fearful of the dragon or so ignorant of him that we just continue on in our sin and filth. But rather we ask that as we now have a clearer picture of what you've done for us to rescue us out of what was a hopeless situation. Lord, that you would save us to the uttermost. That you would cause us not only to be saved on that day when you were returned, but that actually today we would be living like the saved. We'd be walking in holiness. We would be operating in obedience, that we would be digging out our ears to listen to you, that we would be equipping ourselves with the word of God, that we would be not hesitant in any way to follow the leading of your spirit. That by the two great wings of the eagle, we might be rescued in the wilderness, nourished and saved. And so, Lord, we pray that we would take these things to heart, that you would show us that if we need saved, that we would be saved. And if we need your power to help us to stay away from the vomit of the world and the vomit of Satan. Lord, that you would help us to separate. You'd help us to be holy. Lord, we ask that you continue to guide and protect us. You taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. So, Lord, that is what we're asking today. Deliver us to yourself. We pray this in Christ's name.